Here is the tea, though. Right. Now, I figured since we were talking about him, it's not anything good. Like, dang! Like this. What's the main piece, kid? <laughs> Who's surprised? Who? Not me. Who's surprised, not right? Not me. Someone has to. We got short kings. <laughs> Someone has to be out there loving the short kings. Uh. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time. Hey, guys. Hey, Zoe. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited about this episode. Me, too. It's... I know we've done golf and football, but this time we're jumping to basketball. Yes, of course. And I feel like basketball, when you think of scandal, when you think of, like, women, you think mm-hmm. of crazy things, you think about basketball. Yeah, you think about those players. I feel like football and basketball are really the key ones where you mm-hmm. have the biggest scandals. Yeah. And although we, it would be nice to talk about today's players, we're going to do a little throwback. A thoughtful throwback, if you will. A little thoughtful throwback i hope you, you i hope you pick that up get what we're saying here so for this episode we'll be talking about dennis rodman and michael jordan the two players who one of them i feel like is obvious like it's like an obvious like oh yeah like i like so obvious that there's some issues there mm-hmm. and then the other one that you're kind of like mm. hmm. and we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide which is which yeah you guys can decide but without further ado let's just get right into it with our first topic, Dennis Rodman. Tell me about this Dennis man. So obviously people know that he's an American professional basketball player. He's played for four teams, but he's mostly well known for his playing time with the Pistons and the Bulls. Specifically with the Pistons, he played during their bad boy era, which is when, if you follow basketball at that time, it was from 1986 to 1993, where like the Pistons were just known for like being really physical and like getting at the refs and a bunch of like, you know, bad boys with Mm -hmm. basketball and stuff. While he was with the Pistons, he won two rings, and then he's also known for his time with the Bulls, which is also during, like, MJ's big era, which we'll get into later. He was there from 1995 to 1998, and he won a ring with them every season he was with the Bulls. So, really successful there. Quite impressive. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but he retired in the year 2000 with the Mavericks. So, he played for, like, a really long time, honestly, from 86 to 2000. 14 yeah. years? That is a long time. I mean, now we're seeing players like LeBron James who's playing for like a longer period of time. But I think back in that time, mm-hmm. 14 years was, I think, exceeding expectations yeah. to play professionally. So, yeah, good for him. And if you know Dennis Rodman, if you've seen him, if you've seen him play, you know that he's known for his eccentric appearance, his personality, and also some of the women he's dated. Mm-hmm. Now, when he was with the bad boy Pistons, he did their dirtiest job. So I guess you could say he was their baddest boy. But he reinvented himself once he left with hair dyeing, ref abusing, and dress wearing. He completely reinvented himself. And part of his reinvention was kickstarted by his breakdown in 1993 at the Palace of Auburn Hills with a rifle in his car. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but he was in a very dark place. He's even mentioned it in interviews you know in the past that it just wasn't the best time for him and his reinvention and it helps him get better helped him be mm-hmm. better I think it kind of when people hit now I don't want to like speak on like what he was feeling at that time yeah. but I think sometimes when these professional athletes are put in so like such a high stress level they feel like they have to conform to society standards and so I think his kind of what as you're talking about and as we're about to hear more of when he changed his style and started to become more him, mm-hmm. I think that was his way of kind of breaking free of society's, you know, standards for basketball players. Yeah, he even said that, that this reinvention 
was more about him becoming who he wanted to be and now what society wanted him to be. And I, it was just really beautiful. And I, I loved hearing about that because especially during the 90s, well, the 80s and 90s, you didn't really see a lot of that in celebrities as we do now where people are more open about the way they dress and sexualities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it was, it's really nice to see. So, of course, at this time, he was the league's most controversial player. But, like I said, he was ahead of his time with his piercing, tattoos, and his determination to be exactly who he wanted to be. So with his appearance and his fashion sense, it raised eyebrows in the 90s, but he actually revealed that he started cross-dressing, which is what he says it is, as a young boy growing up in a largely female environment. So most of what he did was expression, but it had to do with the way he grew up. He gradually progressed from just earrings and, you know, fingernails and painting his fingernails to halter tops and tight leather shorts. He said that the cross-dressing was about self-expression and showing the public all sides of Dennis Rodman. So I guess before the 90s, before he made his reinvention, he wasn't his complete self. He was, like I said before, what the public deemed what a basketball player was, what a masculine man was, what they should look like and everything like that. That's really interesting to me, too, because when he was a little boy... I wonder what society, like what environment he grew up around in home. Like, yes, he was with women, but I wonder if it was. I'm I'm assuming that it had to have been a very open and supportive household to allow him to cross dress from a young age. Yeah, I would have to agree. There wasn't really a lot about his past and what I saw, or at least about the way he grew up. But yeah, I would have to agree. Even with a mostly female environment, that doesn't mean it's always going to be the most open. Uh-huh. And with his appearance came with some of I wouldn't say questionable relationships but with just interesting relationships which you wouldn't really expect like you expect you know athletes or professional athletes to go out with you know maybe famous women maybe not so famous women but the two main relationships that people really know about are they're just I don't know they're very interesting to me but he is well known for his relationship with Madonna and Carmen Electra so Dennis Rodman and Madonna had like a very brief but very public relationship only in 1993 to 1994. It's only a year. Yeah. N- maybe not even a year, like a couple of months if I'm going to be honest. So he said he said it was the e- one of the easiest relationships he's ever been in, but it was it ultimately ended because Rodman didn't want to be known as Madonna's boy toy, and that wasn't huh. revealed until a later interview. So I think we all know Madonna, we know she's like a sex symbol and everything and I guess with that relationship it mainly was just sex so maybe there was no substance behind it Mm -hmm. and maybe he felt undervalued in that relationship well it makes me think too about whether or not he felt some form of pressure to be a certain way with her if that makes sense because like you said like she's a very she's very well known Mm -hmm. and yes he's well known as well but I think it kind of maybe made him feel like he had to be more masculine than he wanted to be yeah, I, I could be projecting, but like when I hear that and hear how he felt, I'm like, okay, maybe there was some pressure going on behind the scenes to be a certain way, and he didn't really want to conform to that. But also, were they the same age at this time? Is there even a big age difference? So as of right now, Madonna is 64, and Dennis Rodman is, he's 61, so only three oh, years. Okay. It's not that bad. I don't know why I thought that maybe he would have been a lot younger than her, but I guess that was like around the same time. Yeah, so it's not, it wasn't like controversial because of age i guess it was just controversial because of who they were as people separately yeah she's a very intense pop like oh yeah is she considered pop she's considered pop i would consider her pop yeah. i don't know what other other genre she would fit into yeah, or category pop. she would fit into and like you said she was known as being like a sex symbol and mm-hmm. stuff like that so i could yeah that's definitely interesting thinking about them being together yeah i anyway so i mean i think 
I don't know. We can't really know why it ended other than the fact of what he said about not wanting to be her boy toy. It goes back to my theory that maybe he felt trapped and had to be yes. act a certain way yeah. and be a certain type of person when maybe he wanted to cross-dress. Maybe he wanted to do something else and Madonna, you know, needed like a very masculine man. Which I think it's crazy because I, I, when I think of Madonna, I think of her as a very expressive person and open person. Like, I feel like she's never really had any problems with people expressing themselves however they want to. Maybe it wasn't so much her, or maybe he just wasn't ready. Yeah. I could definitely see the later of that. Yeah. But moving on to his next well-known relationship was with model and actress Carmen Electra. And if you don't know, she's best known for her role on Baywatch, which is like a very famous show about lifeguards and all the stuff they get into. Mm-hmm. And their relationship moved very fast. They met in ninth, early 1998, and they were married in Vegas that November. Oh. Yeah. Very quick. V- yeah, very quickly. Which makes me think of uh, another athlete we've talked about in a previous episode. But it's just interesting to see how quickly these athletes move sometimes. What's the rush? What? Honestly, what is the rush? No, actually, because what is the rush? Because, I mean, maybe, was it a thing back then to get married quickly? I mean, maybe, but I feel like also because they were, they got married in Vegas, I assume. Yeah, okay. It was a, maybe a drunken decision, yeah. not really well thought out, stuff like that. True. But anyway, nine days after the pair got married, there were reports of Dennis Rodman filling out annulment papers. <laughs> and Carmen's publicist said that they both mutually agreed to end the relationship. So they meet early 1998. Later in November, they get married. Nine days after that marriage, they're like, actually, no, I don't think we should be doing this. Yeah, actually, this is a bad idea. Oh, wait, were you sober? Because I wasn't. Because I was Right, because I wasn't. However, the couple later reconciled only to finally get divorced in the spring of 1999. So again, another one of these relationships that are very quick for him. Wait, so what was that time frame? So early 1998. I don't have a month for that. To spring of 1999. Okay. So I guess a year. Yeah. Maybe a little over a year. Well, I feel like it's definitely on track yes. for Dennis Rodman to get married in Vegas. It just yeah. makes sense. It for just some makes reason. sense for his character. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. One of the most notorious moments in the relationship was when Dennis left his team during the 1998 NBA Finals to visit Carmen in Vegas for 48 hours. He was basically MIA from the team for 48 hours. And he only went back to the team when Michael Jordan flew to Vegas to go get him. There was a report where Carmen answered the door, or she looked through the peephole of the hotel room door. And Michael was like, come on, man, we got to get to practice, come on. And she was like, I think she said she was naked, and she's like, she hid behind the couch and was like, Dennis, Michael Jordan is at the door. And she, she was like starstruck, and she didn't want Michael to see her that way. I remember watching The Last Dance and ha- yeah. seeing that happen, or mm-hmm. not seeing it happen, but like ha- them talking about yeah. it. And I wonder what it feels like to be that, that woman, though, and be in that position. Yeah. Like, your man is missing everybody. Like, you have the news, you have the media, you have the team. You have his teammate. He's yeah. Like, probably the most popular man at that time. Yeah. Banging on the door looking for, essentially, your your uh, partner at yeah. the time. They weren't married yet because the NBA Finals isn't, like, June. So, no, they weren't married yet. And I wonder if it just made her feel any sort, like, after the fact, maybe guilty. Yeah. Like, thinking that maybe, like, oh, this only happened because of me or, like, you know, something like that. Or just kind of questioning the whole thing. Honestly, if it were me, I would feel guilt. But also, if I were in her in her shoes, I would be like, babe, what are you doing here? Go back to work. Yeah. Why are you here? You yeah. know what I mean? Also, <laughs> just a little fun fact. 
the couple had sex all the time and all over the Chicago Bulls practice facility. There was a story about how one time Dennis blindfolded Carmen and took her on the back, back of, her, of his motorcycle to the facility. And when he took the blindfold off, they were in center court, and he was basically like, we have the whole place to ourselves. Let's go crazy. Let's go wild. And, of course, they did. It's There's just, just no way. Yeah. No, I'm so serious. I can't believe that. But to each their own. I mean, she even said in a in like during the Last Dance docuseries that, it, this is a direct quote, it was definitely an occupational hazard to be Dennis's girlfriend. Uh, so they were always doing crazy stuff. When you think of Dennis Rodman, you think wild, you think crazy, and that's exemplified mm-hmm. with these with these relationships and with how fast they move. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's Dennis Rodman for you, <laughs> in a in a nutshell, I guess. What a character. What a character. That's the only way I can describe Dennis Rodman. He is a character, and I mean that in the best way possible. Oh my goodness. Three, two, one, go. Esports Pack, the home of UWG esports coverage. Easy mode. The premier destination for news on UWG's esports teams. Who won, who lost, and what games are coming up next. Pentakill. Esports Pack, Thursday afternoons at 4 on Wolf Sports Network. The Wolves play here. (laughs) So, Michael Jordan. Yes. I feel like I don't even really need to explain his accolades because Michael Jordan is such a household name. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who might be somehow living under a rock, <laughs> right? Michael Jordan is a six-time championship winner with the Bulls. He was named finals MVP all six times that he won. You know, the NBA most valuable player five times, 14-time all-star, all-star game MVP three times, defensive play of the year. So many stats. I could literally go on and on and on and literally. on and on, and I would probably never end. It would probably <laughs> take up the rest of the time for this podcast. Yeah. That's just how great he is. A lot of people refer to him as the GO, unless you're Brendan. Ooh. But there is a little bit of a darker side to this man. I feel like there always is with these big stars, yeah. sadly. And I think that the position that Michael Jordan p- was in as a all-time leader, you know, as a great NBA player, a great leader on the court. He was starting to become a role model off the court. I think that's why the things we're about to talk about, that's why the media took off with it the way that they did. Yeah. And if you're a little bit um, unaware of what I'm about to talk about, Michael Jordan had a huge gambling problem. But like all things, gambling is a habit. Mm -hmm. It's an addiction. It's an addiction that started at a very young age for him. Yeah. It was revealed when he was in the NBA and only kind of got worse as he got more money and acquired more assets. So once he made it to the NBA, his betting habits doubled and so did the amount. Like the amount not just doubled, but it just like rapidly increased. Yeah. He went from betting $5 to like 160k. Like oh, just like that. That's too like, much. <laughs> so he would bet on things and sometimes I would say that it was just, like, chance that he won it. But there were also times that he rigged it. Oh. So a cheater. A cheater. Oh. So there were reports, or I guess a story, him and his teammates were at an airport. He put a $100 bill on the conveyor belt and said, $100, my luggage comes out first. Okay. His luggage comes out first. Right. And it was revealed that he had bribed one of the, like, attendants to Mm -hmm. make sure, flight attendants to make sure his stuff came out first. Oh, my God. So, like, he had a problem, but it was also, like, he sometimes, like, at least with his friends, he knew when he was betting, 
like okay i know that i'm gonna win this yeah i think a part of that has to do with his overall competitive nature yeah because if you know michael jordan you know he's very competitive about everything basketball golf anything he does he's competitive about it yeah and speaking of golf golf is really where his demise it just it's really when his gambling just went downhill Mm. so he was most honestly known for gambling and betting on golf and that is where he would do it with like either golf players or business associates or Mm -hmm. even his teammates Mm -hmm. Uh, his most common opponents were mike uh, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and even his own teammate, Scotty Pippen. Golf is what got him into a little bit of trouble, though. Yeah. Because in February 1993, the gambler and suspected drug dealer James, a.k.a. Slim Bowler, mm. was sentenced to nine years in prison for money laundering and conspiracy. Now, here is where Jordan gets himself in trouble. Okay. Jordan was forced to testify over a $57,000 check that he had previously written Bowler. Oh. So if you're, you know, the FBI, you know that this guy is, you know, in jail for drug dealing and money laundering. Yeah. Then you see Michael Jordan get rights of a $57,000 check. Yeah. Raises questions. Raises a lot of questions. So what he initially told the government was that it was a business loan that, you know, he was helping me with business. I'm sure he didn't want to admit it. But he eventually did admit that it was a gambling debt acclimated through the means of golf. Oh. Which is right when the media kind of started to be like, what is going on? You are supposed to be a role model. You're supposed to be this great guy. Why are you gambling? And why are you also hanging out with drug dealers? Yeah. What's up with that? A little bit of an odd one there. The head scratcher. Anyway, so to segue over into his, you know, love life, Michael Jordan was married to Anita Vanoy from 1989 to 2006. Oh, that's pretty long. Very long time. So they were married for 17 years, and yeah. But Juanita was a smart little lady. Oh, good for her. She's like, something is smelling fishy. Something's not. Something's not going right here. The math is not math, and things aren't adding up. I'm, I'm sus. Yeah. So what did she do? Juanita hired the private investigator named Ernie Rizzo to follow her husband. Okay. And the private investigator followed Michael Jordan for four years, going back and forth from Florida to Chicago, mm-hmm. while he was in and out of the NBA. And Rizzo's research showed that he was in relationships with at least six different women. And other sources say that that number was high as 12. Stop it. Just kind of rattle that off for you there. But yeah, six different women. Six to 12 women. Imagine. Michael, 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 Michael. Allegedly, Michael Jordan paid lots of hush money to these women. Uh-oh. Little hush, hush, be quiet. Yeah, yeah. So this oh, is no. kind of, this comes out and people are like, who is this? Yeah. This is supposed to be the greatest person of all time. I mean, I say person because people looked up to him as a yeah. person and as a leader and as a symbol of mm-hmm. you know greatness and he has gambling problems and he's cheating i think this is another instance of needing to separate the player from the person yeah it's the same thing with separating the actor from the character mm-hmm. you know yeah and it makes me wonder too with we know that he's a competitive person we know this is a this is fact yeah everyone knows that i wonder what that was like for him him being so competitive but being married so you can't compete oh. with your teammates when it comes to women. Oh, that is a very good point to bring up because we all know, you know, locker room talk. Yeah. Men like to talk about what sometimes they dub their conquests. When you're supposedly in a happily and committed marriage, you're not conquering anyone. Yeah. 
you're just with that same person. Honestly, if I were to go back in, in that time to play on words, I'm betting that <laughs> that was the issue. Yeah. That was the problem because for some men, that is a huge pride thing. And that's a really good point to make. I It makes sense when you think about it. When we think of competitiveness, we don't always think about when it comes to relationships, but that's really good. Yeah. And I mean, one person specifically, Carla Kneffel, Kine- mm-hmm. she was a hairdresser, one of his alleged mistresses. She claimed that her enjoyed it. Jordan had a two-year affair. Oh. And apparently they had come to the number of $5 million for hush money. $5 million? Yes. Woo. He didn't pay her. Oh, no. And so she sued him. As she should. Because what? Yep. She, say, she sued him. She claimed that Jordan had promised her the amount to keep quiet about the relationship. But a few years later, she lost the lawsuit. No, Carla. Yeah. That's... Unfortunately. We were literally just talking about how they've been together for 17 years. I wonder how many of those years he's been faithful. Like, good... I, I'm going to give him one. I'm going to give him one, one year. Yeah. <laughs> but, good God. Because four years and it's six to 12? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Only, only Michael Jordan. I'm just kidding. Not actually only Michael Jordan. But to kind of like close this all off, Michael Jordan did find love again mm-hmm. with Cuban model Yvette Prieto. Ooh. Okay. And fancy name. Really? Uh, they met at a Miami club, which. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> Not, Not me. me. And they got married in 2013. They now have two girls, Isabel and Victoria, who are twins. And they have been happy ever since. So. I, good for them. Good for him. I don't I know if she's hired a pri- private investigator or not, though. Can right. I tell you? Has she hopped on Juanita's train? Has she followed those trails? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I think it's interesting the way we, since we talked about, you know, Dennis and Michael and they were both on the same team. With Dennis, you know, he was this very eccentric, outlandish person. He had these relationships, but there isn't any mention of cheating when it comes mm-hmm. to him. But then you have Michael, who is in these settled down relationships, and it's so many women. Yeah. Outside of his wife. It's just wild. Well, that does it. That does it for the third episode of Tea Time. Our thoughtful throwback. Yes, ma'am. This was Gianna. And this is Zoe. Thank you so much for listening and be on the lookout for our next episode.